our existence as human beings is based upon our ability to communicate both positive and negative things. And I think that as a result, when you turn that channel off, you have less. You have less of that other person. You have less of that organization. You have less of that partnership. That, In my opinion, that's where it all, where it all goes wrong. Welcome to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. In this podcast, Vince Mincione, a proven industry sales and partner executive, brings together technology leaders to discuss transformational trends and to deconstruct successful strategies to thrive and survive in the rapid age of cloud transformation. And now your host, Vince Mincione. Welcome to, or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering where technology leaders come to optimize results through successful partnering. I'm Vince Menzion, your host, and my mission is to help leaders like you unlock the leadership principles and learnings of the best in the business to get partnerships right, optimize for success, and deliver your greatest results. With over 100 chapters and billed as the world's largest community of Microsoft partners, the IAMCP, or International Association of Microsoft Channel Partners, was formed over 20 years ago to allow Microsoft partners to connect, learn, and grow. On episode 124, I featured Heather Deegans, and we discussed the importance of this organization as both a community and an enablement engine to the 400,000 Microsoft partners in this vast ecosystem. My next guest for this episode of the podcast is Eddie Bader the current president of Americas for the International Association of Microsoft Channel Partners, who joins me here for a rich and candid conversation. You see, I'm both a fan and a critic of IAMCP, as I believe this asset has the potential to be better at supporting both the Microsoft partner community and, frankly, Microsoft itself. Eddie is not only the president of IAMCP, but he leads Asius Innovators, a Microsoft partner in Southern California. Eddie and I have a great conversation about the importance of this organization, his journey and mission, and why partners and partnering are so fundamental to success. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed welcoming Eddie Bader. Eddie, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Vince. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I'm really excited to finally welcome you as a guest to Ultimate Guide to Partner. We were talking about this just before. I think this is the podcast that we have rescheduled more times than any. You hold the Guinness Book of World Records for that. So excited to have you as a guest. You're the president of Americas for the International Association of Microsoft Channel Partners, the IAMCP, an organization we both care about. And you also are a Microsoft partner. So excited to have you today. Welcome. Thanks, Vince. I really uh, appreciate you being here and I'm glad we get to do this finally. It's, I think we've been trying since, what, April? <laughs> this is pretty cool. It is crazy it's been that long. So for our listeners, maybe a little bit about you, Eddie. I mean, I'd like, we'd love to learn more about you, your role, and your company, Aegis Innovators, and the IAMCP. Okay. Well, I'll try and uh, fast track the historical piece for you a little bit, but I've always loved technology. And I got my first computer when I was 14. It was an Apple IIe. And I loved that thing. And I tried to, to make games and, and do things like that, but just, just really had fun. And I, I never really got rid of that itch. And then my career didn't lead me down the technology path at first. But when I was at Disneyland, I ended up getting into IT and that was a lot of fun. And then from there, I, d I did other things, planning and 
resource planning for for the parks and helped open Disney's California Adventure in, in SoCal. But yeah, I was working at another in another role at another company. And then I had a friend who happened to be an MSP, which I didn't know what, what that was at the time, asked me if I wanted to, to work with him. And I said, yes. And eventually worked there. At, at one point in 2015, he decided, hey, I'm out. I want to do some other things. Handed the company over to me and kind of took it over in beginning of 2016. And then, wow, yeah, just recently merged with uh, with a group of great guys from Aegis Innovators in February of 2020. So kind of fast forward, that's that's where I am now. And, and I really got connected. I will always say this because I'm forever grateful. But Richard Dick Porter, for those who know him, he was the one that I was in a meeting with. It was it was another group meeting uh, led by Dave Seibert. And he told me, oh, I just met with Microsoft last last week. I'm like, oh, wow, you guys met with Microsoft. That's amazing. He's like, oh, we meet every month. I'm like, oh, you guys must be huge. He's like, no, you can come too. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's, he was telling me about these meetings that we, we have at the Microsoft offices. And uh, he invited me to come. And that was kind of the beginning of my IAMCP experience. So Richard, if you're out there, I will always remember you for introducing me to this group. And so thank you very much for that. Yeah. And then again, fast forward to Aegis Innovators. We are a zero trust cybersecurity firm with a focus on work from anywhere, modern workplace uh, solutions to really help uh, companies adopt the cloud and do it in a, in a secure way. And with regards to IAMCP, you know it, but for those who are listening who might not know what IAMCP all, is all about is we're a Microsoft partner driven organization focusing on helping drink from the <laughs> from the fire hose that can be Microsoft sometimes. Uh, they've got a lot of great programs for partners, a lot of information, a lot of resources. Sometimes it's, as a new partner, it's hard to understand where you should be looking, uh, where you can find things and, and what you should be focused on. We try to, to help with that and, and navigate and, and share best practices. We're also a, an organization committed to working together. I don't think there's really any one partner that can service all needs. So by working together, we can actually gain more market share and, and drive business forward. Even if you think you're actually a competitor, I would I would tell you that you could probably do more with those companies that you think are competitors than without them. There's a ton of business out there and it's easier to, to get it when you're all working together towards the same goal. And so that's really what that organization is dedicated to, driving understanding and, and we've kind of termed we've we've coined a new term as IMCP is the super highway for Microsoft partners. Really it has a lane for everything you need if you're looking to, you know, build your practice, if you're looking to partner, if you're looking to, you know, understand go to market incentives or, you know, just understand marketing in general. There we can help you get to where you want to be. So I hope that helps. No, that's great. There's so much to unpack here. So I want to step back a minute. You covered a lot of ground here. First of all, on Aegis, let's talk about cybersecurity for a moment. Sure. Because this has been a, I mean, this has been an ominous time in our history with all of the cyber threats we've been seeing, right? So what are you seeing now you didn't expect to see with, with all the threats that have been going on? It's interesting. I think that when you look at cybersecurity, the threats are are not much different than they were before. I mean, obviously, they're technologically advanced, but it's really all based on trust, right? So emails, email threats are still prolific. Why? Because they work, right? Inevitably, mm. you can get somebody to click on something that they shouldn't have clicked on. And the impersonation 
whether it be through email or any other virtual medium, whether through text messaging or whatever it is, those have really jumped in in levels of sophistication. And the other thing that we've noticed is that while we always had attacks at the client level, we're seeing attacks at the partner level as well because would-be predators know that a partner, like an MSP partner, usually has access to multiple tenants. So instead of going hunting and going one by one, I can hunt and I can access get access to a bunch of clients all at the same time, a bunch of tenants, right? And start doing yeah. that kind of activity. So you'll see things uh, that have been over the last few years, mandatory MFA for global admins, because we know that the attacks are coming at different levels, right? They're, they're coming at different ways, but it all comes down to uh, awareness. Um, it, it's, a, it's a confidence game. If they if they can make you think that they're, they are who they say they are, you're probably going to click on something that you shouldn't. And that, that's the biggest thing that, that I think companies need to realize and, and employees need to realize is that you can put all the systems that you want in the world, but bottom line is security comes down to each individual. And you have to yeah. be just as aware in your environment to, to help things not get through. I mean, just in the last few days, I've been getting a ton of texts for, that say they're from AT&T, right? Click here for a free gift. You, we, we shipped your iPhone. Click here to see your delivery. All these different things, right? The confidence factor, right? Well, right. AT&T is my provider. Of course, I'm going to click on that. Right. Yeah, they, they play games. And the thing is, is that they, they tell you things you want to hear. Oh, you won this. People want to know that they want something. They, they like to receive a gift, right? It's a very simple social engineering tool that is used all the time. Like If you're the accounts payable person for your company and you get an email from the CEO of your company saying, hey, by the way, um, hey, I'm on a trip. I need you to, to shoot me over to wire me $20,000 for this thing. In your mind, it's playing on the fact that you want to be recognized by the CEO, the fact and it's not a bad thing. It's just how we're built as human beings. You want to have that recognition. You want to say, oh my goodness, the CEO is reaching out to me personally. I can really help them out. And we want to help. That's kind of our in our nature. And that's what people are taking advantage of. So it's, wow. it's interesting to understand when we talk about social engineering, it's really about us understanding ourselves and how our minds work to really be able to prevent that kind of threat from getting into our environments. Yeah. So much to cover there. But I want to unpack a little bit about IAMCP. And you, you were talking about your chapter, which is the SoCal chapter, I believe, right? Out of Irvine, out of the Irvine office from yeah, Microsoft? Yeah, out of Irvine, operating in both LA, Playa Vista, and, and Irvine. And that chapter has been recognized. First of all, it just had a big anniversary, I think about a year ago. But that chapter has been recognized as probably one of the most active, if not the most active chapter out of the International Association of Microsoft Channel Partners, at least the U.S. We've been very fortunate to be always have a really strong relationship with Microsoft, not just having our meetings in the offices, but having a, a high level of engagement. And we've had, to be quite honest, an abundance of riches in terms of leadership. If you know Justin Slagle, he's the one that like yep. founded founded that and Roel Kolakowski and you have Dave Cyber and, and Dave Burson and Eric Klaus. They've all been presidents of the chapter and it's a chapter that these folks really care about and they give personally. 
I mean, Justin still attends board retreat and he's far removed from it in the sense that he's been with Microsoft for many years. He just got promoted to a new role. He's doing wonderful work there, but he still cares about this community. And and I think that's what matters. And and that's what's been at the heart of our success for for such a long time. I love this organization and I've gotten active over the last few years. Actually, after I left Microsoft, I started to get active in the local chapter when I was still up in New Jersey. And I've been, frankly, a little critical at times. This is such a great concept, this organization. Microsoft cares so much about partners. But I have found, and I, you and I have discussed this before, more people need to get involved is what I would say, right? And I've been a little critical because I don't feel like enough of the partners out there, enough of the 400,000 Microsoft partners, when you look at the global ISVs and the vertical ISVs and the national SIs and the local SIs, and MSPs and channel resellers and distributors and the like. And you look across this broad ecosystem, why don't we get more involvement? How do we get more involvement into the IMCP? Well, it's a wonderful question. And I would say that your your criticism is on point, right? I think, and that's something that we've been looking at internally with our messaging. We promote ourselves as the world's largest community. If you go to our website right now, in fact, you're going to see that message come into full effect. We are the world's largest uh, community of Microsoft channel partners. But what we don't say is what we actually do for you. We're talking about us, not talking about the messaging for you. And I think that's where we need to change. I think there is a place for all partners and all partner types, even the largest partners. I can tell you an example right now that Wipro, who is a multi-billion dollar partner, they are working with IMCP members to help fill talent holes, right? So they're working with a couple of HR companies that are within our organization. And and that's one way to work together. But I think it's always finding the pieces of, or it's the mental piece of, hey, I'm a managed partner or really too big. This organization isn't transacting at a level that is really a, a concern for us. So there could be that. But I will tell you that where we have to do a better job of you know, communicating the value is that all partners can benefit from other partners. Even if you're a large company, there's a chance to work together. And we may not be able to, I might not be able to articulate every single way that we can work together, but there is a, a chance to partner. And not every partner will be a fit for one another, but there is a partner for everybody in this ecosystem. So if you're one of those larger companies, if you think that this is a, not a good play for you, I would encourage you to get involved and, and give, this, give this a chance. Not just come to one meeting, but actually engage, like truly engage and give it some time because things don't happen overnight. It's a no like trust community. People need to get to know you and from knowing you. They determine whether or not they like you. And from that like, you start building this trust. And that when you hit the trust factor, the big T, that's when things start happening. People are going to reach out to you. They're going to consider you a resource for them. And they're going to start to do business with you. We can accelerate that to a certain point, but you have to put in the time. And I think that's really the big message. There's, I think, kind of a misconception about what Microsoft cares about, like, oh, we have a small list of managed partners. That's who they really care about. And and with and to be perfectly honest, those small amount of partners drive a large volume of business. There's no denying that. But I will tell you the investments that Microsoft is making for the the breadth partners or the digitally engaged partners is, is huge. I'm happy to say that Microsoft has just assigned a partner development manager to IAMCP. And that's 
the first time this has ever happened. And we're super excited about that because in this role, I think we're going to be able to help drive partner success in ways that we weren't able to before. And if you look at all the tools, the GTM toolbox and all the other digital tools that are out there and the people behind them and driving all those efforts, these people really care about all partners, whether they're digitally engaged or whether they're the huge GSIs. I think it's really taking the time to understand where you play and where you can play, right? It's it's one thing to, if you look at IMCP as a tool, you have to look at it as not as what it is, but what it can be, right? So, and I, I look at that, I try and take that perspective with, with everything I'm given, like Teams as a platform. Teams is a unified cl- communications platform. That's what it is, but what can it be? And that's where the creativity of partners comes out and you see it being implemented in all kinds of different ways. And I think if we take that same approach to other partners and other partners take that approach to IMCP, we can get places we never thought possible before. I want to peel back on something you said earlier and you reiterated it here. And you were really referring to what I refer to as, we all refer to as partner to partner. But if you're not in the Microsoft ecosystem, you might not know what that means. It means the two partners coming together to solve for maybe a larger set of needs or solutions for a client, like wrapping themselves around the client and working together collaboratively because we all have sets of specialty or things or values that we bring to the client or to the market. That's one of the things that IMCP really cares about, right? Partner to partner is something we both care about. And I've spoken a couple of times at sessions for you, and I want to thank you again for inviting me to speak. And I got to share the stage with Paul Solsky, who leads your partner to partner initiative internally. This importance of partner to partner you talk about here. But for our listeners who don't quite understand the importance as a component of the IMCP mission, maybe you can expand on that just a little bit. Yeah, I, I think it's really simple. And, and I like to use an analogy because sometimes that's a little bit more effective. And we see it in, in other industries. So that's why I think they've got it down. Let's look at the medical industry. You usually have a general practitioner. They you go in for regular checkups. They look at you. If that physician thinks that you have something, he hears something in your heart that doesn't sound right when he's doing this chest exam, he refers you out to a cardiologist because a cardiologist is a specialist. That's all they do is they focus on that. If it's uh, something to do with pulmonary, they send you to that specialist, right? If it's something wrong with your foot, they might send you to a podiatrist. The, The thing is, everybody stays in their lane and they really specialize in what they do. And I think in technology, we tend to be the opposite. We think we can do everything. But if we really want to be good at something, it's really important to focus on that. Like for Aegis, we're, we focus on security in modern workplace. If it's a dynamics piece, we won't turn it away, but we bring in a partner to do that. If it's data and AI, that's not us. We bring in a partner to do that. It doesn't mean that we're, we give the client over and it depends on the relationship, but it means that we understand that if you want the very best, if you're really focused on bringing the very best outcome to your clients, you have to understand your lane. And, and we understand it well enough to know that that's not us. And so we find a partner to do that. And I think what it does for your client is it, it lets them know that one, that you're putting their needs above yours and that you're always going to, tr- to look to provide the best possible solution to the best business outcome for them. And what that means on the partner side is, look, we don't have to own every piece of this client. If we own a portion of this business or this servicing this part for, for many clients, we can just be wildly successful. And it's really a different mindset about how to go to work. And, and Gabriella, 
earlier this year, she talked about this general contractor concept, right? You can be the plumber, but you're still going to need a framer, the, the flooring guy, and, the, and the, all the other, the AC folks and everybody yeah, else. Electrician. And, exactly, yeah. exactly. And they all, they're all specialists, right? But you coordinate the effort and you make sure that that house is as good as it can be when it gets done. So and those are a couple of analogies, but I, I think it really kind of points in points us in the right direction about putting the customer at the center of everything and really focusing on them and less about how we're going to make money. Because I, I guarantee you, if you take care of the client, you're going to be wildly successful in everything you do. I love what you had to say here. So we interview a lot of amazing guests, Eddie, here on the podcast. And obviously, this is the ultimate guide to partnering. And I love to ask people like, what do you believe, Eddie, with all the experience you have with working with other organizations, being a partner of Microsoft, what do you believe makes a great partner? Oh, a wonderful, wonderful question. For me, it all starts with, this is, this is kind of where it begins and ends, uh, really, is communication and, and honesty, right? We, I just talked about like knowing who you are. It's knowing who you are and being comfortable with it and being able to communicate that to somebody else. Like we always want to, it's human nature to want to solve problems. So Vince, if you came to me and said, Eddie, I'm really having a problem with this. I was wondering if you can help me or I have a client that needs this help. My tendency is I want to solve that problem for you. But if I'm really putting you and your client at the center of things, I got to be honest with myself and say, what, that's not me, but here's somebody who can take care of that for you, right? So being able to be honest, not only with others, but with yourself. And I think being able to communicate and communicate clearly. So sometimes there are conversations that are difficult to have when you're working with other people. But if you don't have that level of open communication, you're not going to be able to really reach the highest of highs, if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. And it's like, and I'll just add this because I think it's important. Whenever I, I typically start a relationship of any kind, especially a business relationship, we're at a point where we like each other a lot, right? We like each other and we're thinking about like doing some business together. I like to work out what all the rules of the engagement are up front when everything's going well so that we have something to fall back on when, when things might be a little stressful or we might be under the gun, or a client isn't happy with us, we go back to, hey, we've already talked about how we're going to resolve this, right? It's it's kind of a promise to remember to like each other, even though we might be upset with each other, if that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love what you have to say here, by the way, because I talk about this as well in the work that I do, is that I refer to it as part of the maniacal focus and the communication that we have. But this whole, like, let's have the honest conversation, like, as we're working together, we forget to have, or we find it uncomfortable to have, like these are the things that are blocking the success of the partnership until it's too late. Right. And then we wind up unlocking arms and walking away from the partnership. Right. And there's really, in a lot of times, there's no reason for that, right? We could have resolved this if we had just either had worked it out ahead of time or just resolved to, to have a meaningful conversation when it really wasn't easy to have that conversation. I love setting it up when I'll call it during the kumbaya phase, like when we're all really happy, dog, dog, or we're, we're waving our doggy ears, we're all excited about the partnership that we just established. Right. It's easy, right? We like each other. <laughs> yeah, it is. So what about the, you talk about that, then the partnerships that fail, is it, is, the, is it the antithesis of this? Is it like we're not communicating? Like, why do you think partnerships fail? Absolutely. I think 
I think partnerships are extension of relationships. I think whether it's personal or professional, I tend to to be a big believer in communication as the foundation for, for all things, good or bad. It's when you can communicate and truly communicate at a deep and open, honest level, you can solve just about anything. Or you can agree to part in a way that is, there's no acrimony. But when you can't talk and when you're not willing to share exactly how you're feeling or point of frustration or, hey, even if it's within your own organization and it's peer-to-peer or it's VP to president or whatever it is, if you cannot talk to each other, you will never be able to do anything meaningful together. Our existence as human beings is based upon our ability to communicate both positive and negative things. And I think that as a result, when you turn that channel off, you have less. You have less of that other person. You have less of that organization. You have less of that partnership. That, In my opinion, that's where it, all, where it all goes wrong. And I'm not saying that even with perfect communication, you can still have a relationship that won't work out. But there are ways that you can, like I said, split amicably and, and still be friends afterwards. Even though the, maybe a portion of this relationship didn't work out, you can still, you can still be friends, so to speak. But yeah, for me, communication. And I guess the other thing I would add is is a willingness to treat a partner's client as good or better than you would treat your own, right? The willingness to say their client is my client. Whatever I do reflects on them. Whatever they do reflects on me and really own it. You have to own everything. You can't just say, well, that's it's okay that they wait a little longer because that's not our client. If you're going to go in with that attitude, that's the wrong attitude. You have to, you have to, as if it, or your very own, or or better. Sometimes I remember my my parents, especially my mom. She always you know, tell me my my manners when I went over to a friend's house because you're a direct reflection of your father, and I and I'll never forget that. Right, and it's true. As a partner, if you bring me into something, Vince, there's a transfer of trust. Right, you're telling your client that I'm bringing Eddie in because I trust him, and he's going to take care of you. The onus is on me to make sure that I do not break that trust because anything I do in that relationship from there on forward is going to affect you too. It doesn't just affect my relationship with the client, it affects yours. And I think putting that at the forefront and understanding the responsibility that you've been given by another partner is critical. And, and you have to be you have to be mindful of that. And if you don't have the mindset to nurture that and take care of it the way it should be, then you should reconsider entering into a partnership with somebody. Communication is one of my three C's about why partnerships fail. By the way, do we teach our kids the way we were taught? Like, I think about this now going, <laughs> you represent us, right? This like, I don't know if that gets transferred the same way as it did many years ago. Maybe I'm being old fashioned here. And oh. then you know, the, whole tr- the whole trust piece is just super, like super important. I have this uh, set of principles around what makes successful partnerships. And I know you've, you've seen me present. Trust isn't in there as a separate item because trust isn't. It's like embedded in everything. Right? It's a thread. It's a thread that weaves yeah. through everything. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I, I will tell you, that is that is the, the honest truth. I, I remember my mom having that conversation with me several times. And she's like, don't mess up when you're outside because that makes your father and I look bad, right? You can be, yep. you can be crazy here, although we, they would prefer I didn't. But if you're going to do it, do it at home and not outside, right? So yeah. it's funny. I have my grandfather used to say, don't dishonor the family name. You know, <laughs> exactly. that was uh, <laughs> old Italian you know, heritage, that kind of thing. So it is, is a fun conversation. I love talking to you about partnering. I love yeah, kind of the great. pitch and catch we have together. Really enjoy that. Thanks. I want to pivot for a moment. We talked a little bit about your background, but I just want to like understand 
was there a best piece of advice? Was there a pivot point that happened? Like, how did you get from point A to point B here? You talked about spending some time at Disney. And I'm just wondering how that grew into being an entrepreneur and running your own organization. Well, I will say that my time at Disney was invaluable. There are a lot of bright people working there, and I've learned a great deal. And I still use that, a lot of those concepts as as foundation for the things, for the work that I do now, to be honest with you. They were always, I mean, back in late 90s, they were using regression analysis and and all kinds of data to determine how they could get more people on attractions and provide a better guest experience and and using metrics to a highest level and, and now it seems like that's that's so mainstream but 20 years ago 20 plus years ago they were cranking out those numbers a while back and they were using data to do forecast and actually auto schedule cast members mm-hmm. and and just the the way they use technology and and we think of them as being cutting edge in the entertainment industry and doing attractions like Rise of the Resistance that are phenomenal. And I just went on it for the first time a few weeks ago. It's amazing, by the way, but I digress. The thing is, we, we see them in certain ways. And on the back of the house, the operational stuff, they're also quite innovative as well. And uh, you see that in different technologies that are showing up in the parks in, in Florida. They have the, the wristbands and they can... They can track things and, and you can do different things on the applications. You do fast pass and all kinds of things, pre-order your food. And it, it seems like little stuff now, but it's it's very integrated and it's it's really it's interesting how that's developing. But they've been doing this for years, right? Yeah. Well, and they had the the Disney Institute too, right? So exactly. leadership and business training. And I, I think the concept for those of those of you who don't know. When you are brought in as a cast member and, and they, and because they're in entertainment, they consider what they do to be the show, right? And so we refer to things as on stage and backstage. On stage is anything that a guest can see, guest with a capital G. That's all the visitors that come to the park or, or what have you. Backstage is where the cast members, the people who put on the show do their work, right? And there's a, there's a way to, to act backstage and there's a way to act on stage. Right. When you're on stage and, and then the guests and the audience can see you, that's when the show is taking place. And, and so you, the things that you won't see cast member eating on stage because that's not what we do. But that whole mindset of treating your client or your customer as a guest, whether it's in your home or whether it's to your theater, whatever your theater may be, I think that provides a really good framework of, of how to approach things. One of the things that you learn when you do your orientation is that, at least for me, because I was going to be working inside the park, it's like you will get asked a hundred times where the bathroom is. Probably, uh, potentially a hundred times in a day, you will get asked where the bathroom is. What you have to keep in mind is the person in front of you has only asked you once. Because that mindset of, like, I'm tired of answering this question, but that person doesn't know that you've been asked 99 times before. They're just asking you now. And it, to treat them as if that's the first time you've been responding to that question, that, that takes some skill, but it also takes a certain mindset. And I think that's really important. That framework is, I think we can use that framework anywhere. And I'm going to share a couple of things with you because I think this is important. For, again, for those who don't know, trash cans are spaced 30 feet apart within the parks. And there's a reason for that. It's because when the park opened, Walt was observing guests. And on average, they would go about 30 feet, take 30 steps before they would just 
drop the trash on the ground. So based upon that, he decided to space out the trash cans 30 feet apart so that in any direction you could go, they would throw it away in a trash can instead of throw it on the floor. That helps keep the park clean. So when you look at Disneyland, there's a lot of trash cans, right? Now take that concept and understand that whether it's the partner ecosystem, it's working with other partners, it's working with your clients, you have to observe and you have to adjust the trash cans accordingly, right? The quote unquote trash cans. We have to meet people where they are. And that's what Walt did with trash cans. But I think that serves as another way of us providing a framework for the work that we do every day. And, and I think it's a good way to look at things. And then lastly, the thing that, that serves me the most, in addition to all this other stuff, is the, the concept of give first. I think if you give first, your life becomes infinitely better and infinitely easier. It's one thing to to want, and we all have wants and needs, but I think if you are in the give first mentality, you're always thinking about what are the wants and needs of others. And if that's where you start, I think it's a great place because people will just open up and you'll have, you know, more candid conversations. You can you just connect with people a little bit more. And so I think IMCP generally we we just try and provide that framework is that give first mentality. I'm smiling. So if we're on video, yeah, I'd be smiling right now. First of all, meeting people where they are, meeting partners where they are, what does that mean for you? Yeah, I think again, that starts with conversation, right? You can't assume that if I meet you and you happen to be like an MSP and then I meet John in New York and he's also an MSP, I can't treat you the same, right? We have to understand that you could be different, have different focus, you could be different size of company, but I won't be able to meet you where you are until I actually listen to what you have to say. So again, it, it comes back to that communication piece and and that's part of the give first, right? Being willing yeah. to give first and, and listen before you speak and just understand, listen with an ear. And I'm not saying hear. Hearing is one thing, but listening, true listening is something that we actually have to work at. So I said, that's where we are. It's not assuming that one size fits all and understanding the only way that we can really meet somebody where they are is allow them to tell us what they need. And by doing that, you have, again, you have deeper conversations, hopefully a, a deeper uh, relationship, friendship, and hopefully a, a more successful partnership when you do that. And that's between an IMCP as an organization and the partners, so that's partner to partner, that's in your personal life, anywhere. I think that that holds up. And give first. I mean, we can compare notes on this, but I have a first personal philosophy here as well. I feel like we our philosophies resonate with one another, Eddie. Yeah, it's true. And you know what? You don't give first to get anything. It's not like you give first and there's some expectation that you will receive. But inevitably, when you give, it just makes you feel good. I don't know if anybody has ever said that they've done something for somebody else that they've you know, just been nice. And it doesn't have to be a big thing, right? It's just even the little things make a difference that you don't, that doesn't come back to you tenfold in some way, right? And, and again, that's not why you do it, but just having that ability to do for others, it just goes a long way. And goodness knows, with uh, yeah. everything that's been going on in, in the world, uh, humanity can, can use a lot more of uh, give first. We didn't talk about, you talked about mindset, and I have had Dr. Michael Gervais here. He's coming back again here very soon. This whole conversation about mindset and mindfulness. And I think that when you come forward, maybe it's with a grateful mind, maybe with an infinite mind, maybe this, like you cast 
out to the universe in a way, right? And the energy you bring out to the universe comes back to you. I would agree with that. Absolutely. So let's have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> I have become a big fan of Spotify. Okay. I, I just love the, the playlist. My kids give me a hard time sometimes because uh, I'm old school. But I've been asking some of our other guests this question. I would been building some spot. Spotify playlists, in fact, that we put alongside the podcast. And so I want to do the same for you. But like, if you could only pick five songs, and this is going to be the playlist that you are going to bring into the foreseeable future, you're probably only going to be able to listen to this. Maybe if you were on a deserted island or something, let's think Castaways, right? What five songs would you bring on this playlist, Eddie, and why? Oh, wow. Okay. You're going to tap into me a little bit here. So I'm a huge... 80s 80s like k-rock kind of fan so when we give you that that part of the list first so probably uh, depeche mode just can't get enough or probably listen to that song there's a certain version nice. that i like the best it's a version they did live in hamburg and okay. uh, it has a little extra sequence in it that the normal track doesn't have but it's fantastic so i, I would definitely Okay, I got to pull this one up. All right. I definitely have that. Duran Duran, The Reflex. I can listen to that forever. Ah, nice. And then I'll switch, side, switch with you here. This one's a little bit five songs. It's just so hard to just pick five songs. But I would probably go with, it's from Nightmare Before Christmas. And it's What's This? The only reason I would choose that one is, well, one, I love the movie. I love that song, but it just makes me smile. And I think if I was not feeling well, I could listen to that and easily, you know, be in a in a better mood. It's just a it's very uplifting. And I, I sing like I can't carry a tune to save my life, but I would sing any of these songs to the worst of my ability as long as nobody's around. My dog, my little pup, uh, thank goodness he really can't uh, hear me all that well, but he's he's had to bear the brunt of my voice for a long time. And this is by Danny Elfman? Elfman. Elfman? Yeah. Danny Elfman. So a little sidetrack here. He scored the entire thing and, and he and Tim Burton worked together and collaborated on a lot of things. But anyways, he scored the whole thing. Now, I forget his first name, but his last name is Sarandon. He was actually the speaking voice of Jack Skellington, who's the main character. But Danny Elfman was the singing voice. So anytime there's a song involved, it's Danny Elfman actually singing the Interesting. Uh, Jack Skellington's part. So, okay. So I digress. I will tell you that I just recently went to the Hollywood Bowl and I got to listen to John Williams in concert, live in concert. He's a prolific composer. He scored so many movies and things like that. Raiders of the Lost Ark, Star Wars, and all those wonderful Close Encounters of Third Kind, Jaws. So you could probably, you probably know his work and maybe not even know it's him. There is one particular song that's from Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's called Marion's Theme. And it just reminds me of someone who I care very deeply about. So that would definitely be on my list. So I think we're up to four now. And lastly, oh man, who makes it on the last one? That was my go-to. All right, I'm going to go. I would say this is a tough one, but I would probably say Begging by Matt just because I like the the beat. It's something I could dance to if I was was like alone and on a deserted island. I could still have some fun and, and that that's a that's a fun song to to get up for that's one i don't know so matt by madcon we're yeah, gonna i'm gonna banging. yeah i can't wait to listen to these this is gonna <laughs> be great and we'll share we'll share this out with the show notes too eddie this will be a lot of fun so this is a lot of fun i want to thank you for being so patient 
and <laughs> taking the time from your busy schedule to be a guest here on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. For our listeners that want to reach out and learn more about you, your company, as well as joining IAMCP, what's the best way for them to do so? Yeah, it's really easy. So if it's if you're interested in IAMCP, you can go to iamcp.org. Uh, really easy. And there's a, a link that you can click to join. But more importantly, I would just encourage you to go through the calendar of events, find something that resonates with you. Right now, we're all virtual, so you can attend anything. We're happy to have you. If you want to reach out to me for IAMCP-related items directly, it's americas.president at iamcp.org. Happy to walk you through everything, introduce you to some folks, and, and get you on your way to some successful partnering. And if you'd like to connect with me regarding a security or a modern workplace or really just our experience as being a Microsoft partner, I'd love to connect with you. It's Eddie, E-D-D-I-E, at Aegis Innovators, and that's Aegis, A-E-G-I-S, innovators.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn, and I would love to connect with you, see how we can potentially work together. And even if it's just, if I can help you connect you to the person that you need to get to, to, to help you be successful, always happy to do that. Eddie, thank you so much. Thank uh, you, Vince. It's been such a great experience having you today. It's been so much fun. It's like chatting with an old friend and I always have time for you. So whatever you need, you just let me know. Thank you so much. You're welcome. As with each of my episodes, I appreciate your support. Please subscribe on your favorite platform, like, comment, tell your friends about Ultimate Guide to Partnering and where they can find us. And I'd love your feedback. Please like the podcast and provide comments or reach out to me at Vince Menzion on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also like and follow Ultimate Guide to Partnering on our Facebook page, or drop me a line at vincem at ultimate-partnerships.com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Ultimate Partnerships. Ultimate Partnerships helps you get the most results from your partnerships. Get partnerships right, optimize for success, deliver results. For more information, go to ultimate-partnerships.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Ultimate Guide to Partnering with your host, Vince Minzione. Online at ultimateguidetopartnering.com and facebook.com slash ultimateguidetopartnering. We'll catch you next time on The Ultimate Guide to Partnering.